Hi, I'm Paul Johnson. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Life Support. One of the first names is Shepherd, and what I love about that name is, well, first of all, that Jesus came as a sheep, so he, he understands what it's like to, to live as one of the flock and how scary that is. Yeah. And I love Psalm 23 when it talks about that he guides us through the valley of the shadow of death, which sound, it's terrifying. I mean, you can't imagine a scarier name. But the idea that, again, shepherds, um, God using that analogy, they, they're vigilant. They know the sheep, um, and they... They count them, they pay attention to if they have illnesses, and at night they take them someplace safe. And while the sheep sleep, they stay awake to make sure that you know none of them get injured or attacked or stolen. Once again, Janita Pace is Pastor Paul's guest today. Janita is a licensed professional counselor and a pastor's wife, and she's been a guest of this program in the past where she has been very transparent about suffering from depression, which nearly cost her her life. And she now has written a new book called The Healing Names of Jesus. And we welcome you to Life Support. Everything you do from then on is different. One of the detectives, I think his name was He was a golden boy. All we can do right now is come together. Extreme domestic violence, multiple rapes. Hey, welcome to Life Support. I'm so glad you're with us. And what we do on this program is we talk about Christ and how he relates to us and suffering in hard times, and I have a very special guest with us today, Janita Pace. She's an author. She is a counselor. She understands some of the issues that you may be facing, uh, depression, anxiety. The book is called The Healing Names of Jesus. I love that name for the book, though, and it's really neat. Janita, thanks for coming back. Oh, yeah. It's great to have you here. Healing Names of Jesus. Now, um, the the word that catches my attention there is healing. Mm. So how does that all fit together? How does the, how do the names of Jesus help heal us? And how how did you get that idea for the book? Well, it was really it was really neat. I was on a hike actually in North Carolina, sitting by a waterfall, and one of my favorite places to pray. And as I was sitting there, just understanding that the physical world and all these metaphors in the Bible is meant to bring God alive. God is since He's invisible, He has to use metaphors to help us understand Him. And I'd never really taken time to look in depth into those metaphors. And as I did, it was so encouraging to see all of these pieces of who God is and how it relates to who we are. Mm -hmm. And the more I dug into these different metaphors and these names, I began to understand that bringing him to life around me in different ways gave me a lot of hope. Yeah. And you were telling us last time that you had gone through this period in your life where you had experienced deep depression. You were planning on... um, committing suicide, and, and God intervened and, and, and saved you. How does understanding God in his fullness, and, and that's what you're aiming for here, mm-hmm. how does that help us to be healthy emotionally and spiritually? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, the beauty of the, the 31 names is that they're all very different in dynamics, so 31 different dimensions on how to answer that question. But I think a lot of the main themes is, um, for example, understanding that since he is an artist, um, when we go to a museum, an art gallery, we don't expect the art to do anything (laughs) to have Mm -hmm. value. It has value because of whoever it was that created it and the detail. And that is exactly how we are. We, We have value because of who we were created by, not because of what we do. 
And so that's just one example of how that combats depression, where depression tends to feed on deciding whether or not we're worth living. And somehow for people that commit suicide or attempt suicide like I did, the conclusion is that it's not worth it or it's too hard, where if we have such an intense value because of who we were created by, that's just one area that we can really begin to understand that we are absolutely loved by our God. He loves to, we are his pieces of art. Mm -hmm. He loves to be with us. He loves to look at us. He loves to, he just can't wait to be with us. And so what a contrast to what depression tells us. Yeah. You know, when you're saying that, it really um, brought to mind the the games the enemy likes to play with us. Mm -hmm. And you had said before that you had convinced yourself that your husband would be a better pastor without you Mm -hmm. and that the world would be better off without you. How much of that do you think is spiritual? How much of it is physical? I mean, there's certainly a spiritual realm at work there, right? Mm-hmm. I think it all gets wrapped in together. Mm-hmm. But the spiritual piece of it can be the the supernatural part that can break through the other pieces. I think the tricky part about that is so oftentimes as Christians, we try to pursue the spiritual just using our logic skills. But one thing I wanted to do with this book is use a variety of ways to bring God to life and so that people can use these metaphors to see him in new ways and that one of the names is um, the Lion of Judah. And so when you look at lions, they spend their whole life, male lions spend their whole life guarding the territories for their family. And lions are like, they are a family-oriented cat. And so they spend their whole life in community. And so, and lions are built and designed with special features like they can see at night because they have extra lenses in their eyes. So they, they, they have special capabilities to protect their pride. And so knowing that, I asked the Lion of Judah to guard my mind, to walk the borders of my mind every day. And when I need a visual of that, there's plenty of YouTube videos. There's plenty mm-hmm. of opportunities to see pictures of that. So using those type of metaphors to create a new sensory opportunity to really understand what God is talking about has been hugely helpful for me. Do you think that we tend, this is all subjective, so you don't Mm -hmm. have to have the right (laughs) answers to these because there's really no right or wrong at times, but um, do you think that we spend too much time worrying about the advances of the enemy in our lives or that we don't take it seriously enough? In other words, do we, are we too afraid of Satan or don't we take, give him enough credit? I think it depends on the person. You know, I've met people who they have a hard time understanding that we have an enemy. One of the names in there is Warrior, and the idea behind Warrior, I was able to interview um, Captain Carl Wagey with the Marine Corps, and he was walking me through how they train their soldiers that even, or, you know, they train that even if you aren't actively on the battlefield, even if you're not actively deployed, you need to live your life as if at any moment you will be deployed. Mm-hmm. So you need to keep fit. You need to un- keep learning. You need to understand. And so I think some Christians don't understand that, that we are at war. Um, but some Christians fall too far into fear. And when they come and talk to me for counseling, they're constantly afraid that Satan's going to get them. Mm-hmm. And they forget, going back to the line of Judah, that we have a God who is already defeated Satan and is terrified. Satan. I mean, he, he has the upper hand all the time. And that's a God that lives in us. So... We don't have to be afraid. We have to be vigilant, but we don't have to be afraid. So there is a balance being there, and I think some Christians fall too far on one or the other. Yeah, and I think at different seasons in our lives, they become a bit more 
you know, one or the other. It's difficult to keep that in balance sometimes. But one thing Scripture is clear of is that there is no uh, 50-50 battle going on mm-hmm. in the heavenlies. Um, God is in complete control. Uh, Colossians 1 tells us that that whole realm was made by Christ for the glory of Christ. And you read that and you go like, all these principalities are under the, the sovereign control of a loving God. And I think when we cling to that hope, mm-hmm. then the enemy becomes one to be respected for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. But but to know we're on the winning side and that victory has already been won on the cross is a pretty amazing thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I have met people that don't have enough respect for Satan in the sense that they're not actively staying in training every day because they don't understand that we are at war. And so I think you're absolutely right. Balancing that with that, yes, our God has already won the war. Yeah, and I'm not really sure sometimes, you know, the spiritual realm, I think we don't see it for a reason. I mm-hmm. think that we would, um, our minds would be blown. And so on Sunday mornings, I walk around the church before anybody gets here, and I, I walk past doorways, and I'm, you know, I'm praying for the church, and I'm praying for protection. And, but I'm always saying to God, like, I don't know how this works. Like, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm praying for these angels to be here, and I'm praying, you know. Um, but I do believe that there is a battle going on that is surrounding us. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure we're to be intimately involved with that battle. You know, mm-hmm. I think we're to proclaim the name of Christ and then stand confidently in that. And when we do that, I think that we can avoid kind of that seesaw battle all the time of, you know, one day we're kind of on this side and one, one day we're on this side and we're feeling defeated and then we're feeling like we maybe had a victory. It seems like the cross stands on its own and never really moves, you know? Yeah. I mean, the, one of the first names is Shepherd and what I love about that name is, well, first of all, that Jesus came as a sheep. So he, he understands what it's like to, to live as one of the flock and how scary that is. Yeah. And I love Psalm 23 when it talks about that he guides us through the valley of the shadow of death, which sound, it's terrifying. We I mean, can't imagine a scarier name. But the idea that, again, shepherds, um, God using that analogy, they, they're vigilant. They know the sheep um, and they, they count them. They pay attention to if they have illnesses and at night they take them someplace safe. And while the sheep sleep, they stay awake to make sure that, you know, none of them get injured or attacked or stolen. So, again, that picture that going to sleep at night is kind of like us allowing God to take over the world completely and we get to check out. And I love that picture that Mm -hmm. he even built sleep in as an example of how he wants us to let go and -hmm. let him, you know. And that's hard for me. I have a hard time with that sometimes. <laughs> yeah, well, you're, you know, you know, it's, it's our most vulnerable uh, place. More from Pastor Paul and Janita Pace in just a moment. This is Steve Johnson, Executive Director of Five Stone Media. We're a co-sponsor of this program, and we are excited to introduce a brand new video curriculum series called Caring for Mental Health. This 10-part series is available at no cost and is designed to help you and others come alongside those who are struggling with mental health. If you'd like to learn more, go to lifesupportresources.org. That's lifesupportresources.org. And now back to Janita Pace and Pastor Paul. You know, I think we're to proclaim the name of Christ and then stand confidently in that. And when we do that, I think that we can avoid kind of that seesaw battle all the time of, you know, one day we're kind of on this side and one, one day we're on this side and we're feeling defeated and then we're feeling like we maybe had a victory. 
it seems like the cross stands on its own and never really moves, you know? Yeah. I mean, the, one of the first names is Shepherd. And what I love about that name is, well, first of all, that Jesus came as a sheep. So he, he understands what it's like to, to live as one of the flock and how scary that is. Yeah. And I love Psalm 23 when it talks about that he guides us through the valley of the shadow of death, which it's terrifying. We can't imagine a scarier name. But the idea that, again, shepherds, um, God using that analogy, they, they're vigilant. They know the sheep um, and they, they count them. They pay attention to if they have illnesses and at night they take them someplace safe. And while the sheep sleep, they stay awake to make sure that, you know, none of them get injured or attacked or stolen. So again, that picture that going to sleep at night is kind of like us allowing God to take over the world completely and we get to check out. And I love that picture that mm -hmm. he even built sleep in as an example of how he wants us to let go and mm -hmm. let him, you know, and that's hard for me. I have a hard time with that sometimes. <laughs> yeah, well, you're, you know, you know, it's, it's our most vulnerable uh, place, mm -hmm. it, it, both physically and emotionally. Mm -hmm. um, when you're going through something in your life, you've lost someone or you're going through a trial, it's at night that it haunts you because you just, you, that's your guards down, you're tired, there's nothing around to distract you. And so you lay there and you think. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a lot of times when Jesus emerges out of that and says, it's okay. You know, mm -hmm. I'm here. And uh, I remember after um, our son died, I put together a playlist of songs. And I, I, I look back on that playlist now and I go like, boy, those were like, you know, like they would never play them in churches now. They were like, you know, super old fashioned. But anyway, um, I listened to those songs over and over and I just let them play in a loop all mm -hmm. night long. Oh. And what, what what I would hear was these different words would come out of these songs. Mm -hmm. And then I would just, and it was almost like Jesus um, appeared in my mind and said, okay, I'm here. Wow. Do you hear this? And that was able to settle my spirit mm -hmm. because there were times when my spirit was not settled yeah. at all, which is what happens when you're going through trauma. But um, I like what I like a lot what you said about um, about sleep and how that's kind of the ultimate relinquishing. Mm -hmm. And I mean, obviously, you know, when I was in my depth of my depression, sometimes sleep was my escape and staying yeah. awake was right. the hardest part. Right. So God knows each of us what our challenges are. And 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 so at that point, then it was easier to go to sleep to escape. Um, so that's almost the other extreme where it, being able to be a warrior every day, get up and know that God himself is our ultimate warrior. He, he's training us how to do this, and the spirit living in us, we, we don't do it alone. Now, I'm no um, expert on any of this, but uh, um, we've talked about depression. Yeah. And um, I hear a lot about anxiety. Um, parents in our church are talking about their kids and their anxiety. You know, my kids go through anxiety. It seems like we're kind of at an all-time high uh, of uh, being anxious and anxiety seems to be almost an epidemic. Can you talk a little bit about what the difference is between depression and anxiety and how do we deal with anxiety and how much of it is physical and how much of it is something that we can, you know, just talk somebody through? It's it's really confusing to me at times. Anxiety is really difficult because it can it can 
draw in all of those elements, our body, our mind, and our emotions. I think a common mistake, and, and since I have, I struggle with anxiety myself, my husband doesn't, he's a very easygoing guy. I mean, I'm so, you know, we laugh about that sometimes, but he, one of the things that we've worked through is that when I'm anxious about something, it's really not about the facts because there are no, there, there's so many situations we, we really can't prepare for because we don't know what's coming. Mm-hmm. So oftentimes we want to calm ourselves with statistics, want to get on the internet and do some, you know, WebMD searches, sure. <laughs> want to, yep. you know, yep. go to a few conferences. Yep. I've had parents that come in and have read whole sections of parenting books and they're yep. still anxious. And I think the reason is, is that again, we're, we're always walking into unknowns. So a lot of anxiety has to do with accepting the fact that there are unknowns. Without the spiritual component, I'm not, I don't understand how people handle those unknowns because the piece that we have as believers is that there is no panic in heaven. There's, there's no right. moment where God has suddenly fell off the throne for just a second and, and things have gone bad. I know there are bad things in the world. I know terrible things happen to people. I don't have the answers for why God works the way he does. But I can say just in my own journey, starting in 2001, working through depression, um, becoming a licensed therapist um, many years later, um, I can see how the journey of healing was slow because God didn't want me to miss things. Mm-hmm. Had it been too fast, I would have missed a lot. But as a wonderful parent, I know that he hurt the whole time. Mm-hmm. He wasn't watching from the clouds. And the spirit walking yeah. with me, experiencing it with me. Mm-hmm. And so I do want people to understand that when they are anxious, God isn't um, just watching. He He completely understands. Yeah, there is no... Um you know, deism is this idea that God created and then just kind of watches and mm-hmm. hopes for the best. And that's not a biblical view of God at all. But I think um, a lot of us struggle with that perception of God mm-hmm. and that he's kind of waiting to see how you're going to do and what decisions you're going to make and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of pointing the finger at you a little bit like, you know, you get your act together. When, in fact, that's not God at all. Right. And the biblical God is one that is always with us and is full of love. So what you're saying is a lot of anxiety comes from presumption of mm-hmm. what might happen. Mm-hmm. And what we have as believers is we have a firm foundation in God that we can go back to. Mm-hmm. And that changes everything. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's in the book I use the analogy of um, a hallway of elevators of everything that could happen. And for me, with some of the anxiety, those elevators are always cracked just a little bit. At any time, they could open and I would fall in mm-hmm. <laughs> and go to a terrible place. Yeah. And no matter how people try to assure me that that's not going to happen, my mind says, well, you don't know. And the truth is, it, it, maybe it will. But if Jesus is already in every elevator waiting for me, then even if they open and I fall in, I'm not doing it alone. Right, right. And he's in control of where you're going to end up anyway. And but I think what's happening, too, what I see happening around me um, is that there's there's so much trauma going on with COVID, um, with the war. Mm-hmm. Um, there are there are sometimes at home I just have to say I can't. You know, I know this war is important, but if I watch any more of this, I will t- mm-hmm. turn into a nervous wreck. Yeah. Um, and what trauma has done in my life, at least, is it's ripped the it's ripped this sort of facade of control mm-hmm. away from me. So. When you get on a plane where I used to just be able to fall asleep on a plane, now it's like, oh, no, like I know bad things happen. Mm-hmm. And it's not logical, but I wonder how much 
of this anxiety kind of that's bubbling to the surface is because the world has changed so much so fast that people are just trying to emotionally catch up with it and are imagining them the worst because they don't understand what's going on around them. And so what an opportunity for us as believers to to live in front of them with you know with a with a heart for God and and show them who God is mm-hmm. because they they will listen right now. Right. Yeah. And I think you make a great point that unlike generations before us bad things would happen and people may not hear about them or would mm-hmm. hear about them a long time after or wouldn't at least see images and now we're in a world where I was I took a picture of it and sent it to my husband. I was even in the dentist's office the other day, went to the bathroom and there was a book sitting next next to the sink that said something to the effect of what you don't know about your teeth could kill you. Oh my goodness. And I thought, oh my gosh, I don't I don't need more yeah. bad you know what I mean? Yeah. And I obviously yeah. it was probably about periodontal disease and how you could get you know, yeah. blah 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 blah. Sure. But I laughed and thought, I can't even go to the dentist without you know, bad news. I thought a dentist was a safe place <laughs> until the drill. I, mean, all the I just drill wanted came to get out. my teeth cleaned today, <laughs> and so it was just a physical representation of the fact that, like, yeah. we don't need. We all have things that if, if we don't have personal struggles going on, there's plenty of news media and there's plenty of messages around us that will give us things. Yeah, clickbait will drive you crazy because it's always the the most extreme, and social media is very extreme. And mm-hmm. if we live on social media, we're going to have a hard time finding peace under any conditions, mm-hmm. especially right now. Um, so what have you learned about God through this experience you've talked about, the the the, the struggle with depression, the, the suicide attempt, the the journey toward becoming now a counselor, author? What, what have you learned about God? The first word that came to my mind when you said that was hope, because mm-hmm. I think— going back to 2001, laying in bed, feeling like my life was over. And without hope, then there's no reason to keep going. But I tell my clients, um, if I can become a therapist, then sky's the limit for you. (laughs) (laughs) You know, never anything, just Mm -hmm. like anything bad, you know, yes, could happen. The truth is that every time you go through something, you have a new arsenal for your faith. And I'm not suggesting that I want bad things to happen to people, but I am saying that that's the beauty of our faith is that there's always hope. God redeems everything. Now, I I don't say that lightly because knowing that I was going to have this redemptive story did not, I didn't know that for years. So walking without the redemption ending for a very long time not believing there would be one is very difficult. Yeah, we read the Bible and we see all these biblical people <laughs> and we know the outcome and we're thinking, why are they doing this or why are they doing that? They don't know the outcome. They're just like us. Oh, right. You know, they're stuck, they're stuck in the middle of their story. Right. And it looks bleak, mm-hmm. you know? If we watched a movie that had, you know, the bad guy is winning and we just paused there for a good hour or two, yeah. we'd be ready for the ending to come. <laughs> and I think that's True how that. some of us feel. It's like we're, yeah. we're paused and we've, we just, but that's the beauty. One of the names is Alpha and Omega, the idea that God also even put himself into time. He created time so that we know that we're moving forward, even if we don't feel like we are. Mm-hmm. And um, the idea that he created where we can incrementally see change. And so even sometimes now when I look at a clock, I remind myself that that alone is a gift, that I'm moving forward. Hmm. Even on days when I don't feel like I am. That's pretty cool. And now is is the idea of hope you talked before about how the gospel's integrated into all this and you're 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 always talking to yourself about the gospel and, and relying on the gospel. Is that is that hope? Is that where you gain this footing that you have in your life now? 
Yeah, to me, the the piece of the gospel that's so important to me is knowing that God has chosen to love me so deeply that he has he has pursued me even mm. before I was born. And the idea that the spirit has chosen to live inside of me and has chosen to suffer with me, that's powerful because then every time I go through something, I know that God has actually chosen to do it with me. And I think as a parent, being a parent has been a wonderful experience because when my kids hurt, I physically hurt too. I mean, I hurt. And they don't come home and have a bad day and be upset and have me feel flippant about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's giving me a glimpse into how all three parts of the Trinity experience my life with me. Mm-hmm. And so the hope being that nothing is pointless. Well, you're on quite a journey. Tell me how to get a hold of the book. The book is available Barnes & Noble, Target, Walmart, Amazon. Okay. Christian book distributors. The Healing Names of Jesus. Congratulations on the book, and thanks so much for stopping by and sharing your story. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's great to see you. And that's Janita Pace. And again, The Healing Names of Jesus is the book. And, you know, we were talking about how God uh, loves us no matter where we are. He created us for relationship. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, which means that he loved us just as we are long before we were able to clean ourselves up. And he is the one that walks with you every day. I want to thank our great partners that make this possible, MyFaithRadio.com. They have been very kind to us. You can see a video um, portion of this podcast at FiveStoneMedia.com. And you can check us out here at Ridgewood Church at MyRWC.org. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you next time right here on Life Support. Life Support is a co-production of Five Stone Media and Ridgewood Church in Minnetonka, Minnesota. for listening to this life support podcast these conversations are available because of listener support you can make a gift now at myfaithradio.com to avoid missing future editions of life support subscribe to the podcast today at itunes or your podcast player and thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and grow the impact of life support